0: Welcome to the Four Eyes Podcast, brought to you by Young OD Connect. We give you a clear view into the new grad optometry world across Canada and the US. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Debon Carr.
1: And I'm Dr. Amrit Bilku.
0: Today, we have Dr. Alexa Hecht, who is an optometrist that graduated in 2021 and is practicing in Toronto, Ontario. And today's episode is all about Alexa's experience as a new graduate working in different practice modalities. So just to get started, for listeners who do not know who you are, can you tell us more about yourself? Yeah.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you guys. Um, also, congrats on the new partnership with Young OD Connect. I love Young OD Connect. So that's hey, exciting. You.
1: You're also um, a representative, right? Yes.
2: I'm an ambassador yes. for them. So I, yeah, I love it. The, um, everything uh, they're doing rep. is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I actually grew up in Winnipeg, And then I went to university of, I did my undergrad there. And then I went to university of Waterloo and graduated in 2021, like you said, and I never left Ontario. So here we are now I'm in Toronto and I'm currently practicing at two locations, but I have practiced at a total of four different clinics and yeah, I mean, I'm still learning as I go. I I do have a special interest in dry eye and aesthetics and clean cosmetics and things like that. So That's kind of where I'm focusing some of my time. But yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat more.
1: Alexa, let's dive in because we're really excited to talk to you about your experience because we also have similar experiences. (laughs) And I think a lot of our listeners probably do too. You know, before graduating, though, when you were a student, how did you first visualize the way you'd be practicing as an optometrist? And did you have any specific mode of practice in mind? I think when I went into school, I only
2: thought private practice existed.
1: (laughs) And I don't know if that's a common thing, but
2: that's (laughs) why I went into optometry because I grew up, my dad's best friend had a really successful practice in Winnipeg and it was a private practice and that's all I kind of knew. And of course, like you kind of research for your interview, other modalities and things like that and like specialties, but I hadn't been exposed to that. So I think that's where I envisioned myself going in or coming out of of school, but I became more open to the possibilities of other modalities and I didn't want to stay in my little bubble. So I was a part of AOSA and I was exposed to a lot of different conferences in schools. I kind of felt like the world of opportunity opened up to me and I saw all these industry positions and things like that. Yeah, I mean, you never know where your career is going to take you, and I'm still very open as I go through my career and my day-to-day, and I'm, I am I do love private practice, so yes, that is where I am right now, and probably where I see my near future, but you never know if it could be an industry one day, you know? I
0: think for what you said, like just <clears throat> thinking about private practice, that's exactly what I thought. Uh, even first yeah. year to even my last year and I was not as open-minded as you I think I was like fourth year I was like no I'm I'm gonna stay in private practice <laughs> but it doesn't always work out that way right because you know you end up in your first year out of graduation and you're like oh okay but we'll get to more of that from your yes, experiences. yes Because for optometry school, I think at ICO, Amrit, we had to shadow a couple optometrists as well for our application form and everything. I think that's for most applications. Yeah, we did too. Yeah. Yeah. And I only shadowed at private practices. So I thought that was the majority, like 99% of the jobs going out when I was applying. So I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And those are the hardest jobs to get. I know. That's why I was like, oh, this is not what I expected. Yeah. But when you applied for job opportunities, how did you end up deciding to work in multiple places and how did you manage your work schedule? When I graduated, Ontario was an interesting place. (laughs) We were, (laughs)
2: were entering a job action. It was peak COVID. I didn't have very many options. And so coming up to graduation, I was hustling. Like I was reaching out to as many people As I knew in my network, I spoke to a lot of people I interviewed at probably five to six different places. But like I said, my options were a little bit limited. People were scared and people weren't hiring. And I'm assuming you had a
0: similar experience or I went back to Calgary. So I currently practice in Calgary, Alberta, and I still had the same experience as you, Alexa. So I couldn't find any full-time job like for five days, it was literally a different job Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And as a new grad, I felt so overwhelmed that I just went to a rural place and left the bridge. And I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go rural for a while and get one job for five days and just do that for a couple of years and then maybe move back to Calgary. But it was really overwhelming. And it was something I did not expect when I graduated. Cause I thought, Oh yeah, there'll be lots of, you know, job opportunities. It's like a bigger city. It won't be that difficult, but a lot of the OD owners were like, Oh, we can only hire you hire you for like maybe one or two mm-hmm. days. And I was like, well, what about a f- full time? And they're like, Oh, we're just not looking for that right now. And this was before the pandemic. This is before we even knew this was even going to happen. Yeah. The other thing you said that I thought was really important, like, Hustling. Yeah. That's, I think every OD does that outside of graduation. That's like a word we all have come to know and, um, networking. So, so important. I will say for myself, I did not do that as much in during school. I didn't realize how important it was. And optometry is a very small world. Like everybody knows each other, even from Canada to the States, like everybody knows each other. So that is super important. Like Anyone who, or those ODs that do presentations or come and talk. Yeah. I would, if I could go back, I would definitely try to talk to them way more and at least get them to know who I am. Right. Yeah, Yeah. for
2: sure. And Mm -hmm. I mean, so I ended up at one clinic where I was given, I would say like two to three days Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, if I can just get one other clinic, you know, so I moved downtown Toronto and I saw there was a clinic downtown. I knew who the owner was. I reached out to him on Instagram and I was like, please, please, like even just one more day. Like <laughs> please please. <take> me. <laughs> literally. And he brought me on and like I, I literally DM'd him on Insta. I slid into his
1: DMs. <laughs> like I think that's really common now though. I mean, I've yeah. gotten a few um offers for job opportunities through Instagram DMs. Yeah. And it's it's just such a different environment now because I think mm-hmm. COVID also made virtual meetings more comfortable mm. for people. Like it's for less sure. awkward to just send someone you've never met an email or a DM on LinkedIn or Instagram to just say, hey, instead of cold calling or yeah. walking into their practice, shaking their hand, no one's offended by that anymore. People are like, why don't you just text me first? <laughs> <Why didn't> you- <laughs> yeah, you're so right. <laughs> why are you just walking into my practice? Like, you get me, okay, <laughs> let me know.
2: I feel like it's almost like now that it's not the norm to go in and like pass your resume. Like that's not a thing anymore.
1: I use LinkedIn. That was a really good one because I wasn't very active on social media, just like Deepon. We are pretty much the same. We did not network. We did not really introduce ourselves to people.
0: I mean, even Um, social media wasn't a big thing when we were in school. Like no one had an Instagram account. No student had that. And now like, these grad like you you graduating in twenty twenty one everybody has an Instagram yeah. account like that is your resume. so this was
1: like new to us yeah Instagram yeah. LinkedIn like Facebook yeah. these are your resumes now yeah and um so I got most of my job opportunities um strictly from LinkedIn and maybe Indeed you know um just and yeah I also started with two job opportunities that provided me two days of clinic each and then I said well I gotta fill the other. No, three days, same, and I yeah. ended up accumulating two other practices. So, yeah, two practices to fill a seven-day work week. We're you all- were working seven days for a whole year.
2: I did six for like four months, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore.
1: Well, for the past year and a half, I've been six days full. Yeah. So yep, we'll go, and I'm at three <laughs>
2: three clinics. Question. This episode <laughs> is fitting.
1: <laughs> this episode is very fitting. I think we were very excited to talk about this with you. Not to listen to your stories, but to vent about our own. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. You sure. we were like, we're just like, Alexa, listen to us. We're
0: like, just going <laughs> to vent to you about all I feel well, like, like oh my God. it's nice to hear, like, it's comforting, honestly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. so let's dive into the places that you ended up practicing. So you eventually found about four places to practice in as a new grad OD. So can you discuss what you liked and disliked about the different places that you were practicing in, in terms of practice modality or practice setting environment, just things like that?
2: Just to clarify, so I started in a medical building and we just provide services and sell some product, but non-dispensing and not attached to an optical. So that's kind of nice in a way because, you know, you show up, you do your services And I don't have to worry about glasses or sales, um, which Mm -hmm. was kind of nice starting off like that. But I also kind of wanted exposure to that because I did get some exposure in my um, rotation and I think that is a part of our job. So I did also end up working at another clinic and we did specialty dry eye services as well as dispensing. So it was a more full scope private practice. And, you know, we were doing like RF and IPL and things like that. And so I really learned kind of that side of things. And I did learn how to dispense and and how to make those recommendations. And then like kind of you said when my schedule wasn't full and we had a job action and I there were days when I had no patients I I was I was stuck and I said I have to make money right I felt the pressure and I think we'll talk more about this later but I had to pay rent so I did what a lot of new grad optometrists do and and went into corporate setting and I'm not going to lie it was just not a good fit Like, yeah, and I had my hesitations going into it, but I kind of just knew, okay, like, just, just try it out and kind of go with it. And I I was there for only about four or five months. Mm -hmm. um, And I really tried to stick it out and I hate letting people down and I hate leaving things like that, that soon, but Mm -hmm. it just, it, I wasn't vibing with it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's when I was working six days a week and that too and we'll talk more about like mental health it just it was too overwhelming for me so I think the burnout probably
1: yeah burnout can definitely manipulate your experience in any practice setting yeah for sure Be in the nicest setting and you know the perfect place for you but again if you're gonna work six or seven days a week no vacation no time off you're you're still gonna dislike waking up every day and going to work like it's just not a healthy feeling
2: And I just didn't feel like in that setting, I had much say in certain things, right? Like my hours were set for me, how many patients I was seeing, my schedule. I couldn't prescribe certain lenses in a a way that could be, people were coming in for that store and I didn't feel like people were coming to see me. Yeah. It, like people I you know the feeling when people leave your room and they're like you you're like they don't know my name. Like yeah. even though I introduced yeah. myself, I just feel like <laughs> and I feel like I leave an impression but still I just feel like they weren't coming in for the service. They were coming in for the front of the store.
1: They come in for the product. When the patient is coming in more so to obtain the product whether it be like they just come in for these certain drops or the certain eye care product or these certain frames and then they want to go you know yeah it, it makes you kind of feel like you're almost like a ghost you're just invisible yeah. you're just some you're the middle man that they need to see in order to get to get their prescription product yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you can used, you feel like oh <laughs> like what just happened here?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't, yeah, they don't come in for the, they don't come in for the experience. Right. So it's right. kind of like, they're just in and out. And I think that's a perfect word for it. You're like the middleman like yeah. the mm-hmm. block from their prescription. They're like, I just need the prescription. And then you're like, Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Well, let me just give you two minutes about your health. And they're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> you're yeah. just like, okay, wait, hold on. But corporate setting, I have the exact same feelings about that as well. Similar yeah. to you, Alexa. And, you know, some people
1: thrive in that environment. So yeah. Like, yeah. Kudos I, to those people because I couldn't. Like it was, yeah. it's it's hard. It, you have yeah. to have that mindset and mentality and put all your energy into that. But I will also say from what I've seen so far, the people who thrive in corporate are the ones who get that chance to work probably in that one setting full time. Yeah. Right? Like they are there kind of every day. They're always spending time in that practice setting. They're always in that retail location. They know everything about the brands, everything about the products, all the services that they can provide. But I think for associates, it's just more challenging because we're not there full time, right? Right. We're there maybe one day a week, maybe twice, twice a week. And so then I think it feels more rushed for us because it's that one day in a week where our schedule is like jam packed and there's so many patients and there's so much you have to recommend for these products so maybe that's why it just feels so overwhelming for us compared to people who are actually there full time spending their time every day there that's like all they've that, that's that's all they know and i think yeah. they they thrive in that which is good cuz i i could not i burned out very quickly too yeah yeah and i think also it's interesting
2: even being in so many different practices, it's sometimes overwhelming. Even if you have to book someone for a follow-up yeah, and you're like, okay, well, I'm only here these days or I'm only here once a week. Like you have to come in on this day. And not to say yeah. that I, I have no issue, you know, sending them off to another doctor, but you like to follow certain things yeah. and <laughs> you, it's hard to form that relationship if you're not the one following them. And oftentimes it just isn't, it's not feasible. Like you can't do it. You're not there. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: No, that's for sure. Yeah. Being at a clinic once a week, you're not going to see your follow ups. And then when you are there once a week, you see all these random follow ups that you have no idea what just happened. Yeah. And you're like,
1: uh, oh, Let me okay. remind myself, why did you come back again? Like-
0: yeah. Yeah. And I and I get that experience from the patient too, right? Like if they're seeing a different doctor every single time they come, they're gonna be like okay, this person probably doesn't know my chart. This person probably doesn't know what's going on. It's a different doctor every year I come yeah, here for or sure. every follow-up I have. Why should I I think if I, like I were in their position, right? Sorry yeah. to cut you off. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It totally makes sense, right? Yeah. So Alexa, now that you've gained experience at various practice settings, has this shaped the way you visualize how you want to practice in the future? So Do you want to own versus staying as an associate? Um, What are your preferred working hours? The number of patients you want to see per day and your desired patient population and kind of like the vibe of the clinic you want to work at. Yeah, I like how you touch on the vibe because I think that's really important. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> all we do now is talk about the vibe, Alexa. The vibe. <laughs> the vibe is very important. Energy is
0: very important. Energy. energy. I need For to feed listeners. my energy.
1: Yeah. Not be For sucked there. Yeah. Um, before we hit the record button, Alexa was mentioning that she used to listen to our podcast, you know, back in the day, but she really loves it now with this relaunch because it's more relatable. And I was just going to say, I feel like every episode that we've done so far. It's all about the vibe. <laughs> Practice.
0: I'm sure we mentioned oh, that in every episode, that phrase, the vibe, what's vibe. the vibe you guys, <laughs> you might need to like of rename course. the podcast.
2: <laughs> vibe. Vibes. What's
0: the vibe? vibes. Good vibes only.
2: <laughs> um, no, but seriously, I feel like whenever I leave a location I'm working at, I kind of make a mental note of how I feel. Yeah. And and walking in, like, am I dreading going here? Am I excited and inspired when I leave? Or am I kind of like, ugh, I have to go back tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to make a mental note of that. Just to know kind of where you're at with each clinic. And of course, you're going to have good days and bad days at every clinic, right? Um, but overall, how you're feeling. I, I think when it comes to owning versus associate, being an associate, I think deep down, I've always wanted to own my own clinic and I I think that one day that will be the case, but I've also now been more open to, you know, being a partner at a clinic Mm -hmm. um, that's already established or, you know, buying someone's clinic who's Mm -hmm. retiring, things like that. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't know. I have dreams and aspirations that hopefully will come true one day and I'm working towards yeah. um but i'm kind of taking it day by day right now and just just trying to get get on to the next week
0: um
1: yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. such a true
2: statement though there. that's how we
0: all feel even to this yeah. day Amrit and i were every time we talk we're like dude let's just get through this hour this day <laughs> like okay <laughs> seriously <laughs> though Sounds
1: good no very very common <laughs> it's true though i mean it's very daunting to even as a new grad think that you know you'd be a practice owner one day because it's daunting to practice alone you know you it's nice to work in settings where you have multiple doctors there because then you can mm-hmm. collaborate with them ask questions learn from them so maybe you know new grads are like well I don't want to own my own practice because I don't want to be working independent or solo right now um, yeah. and then of course the financial you know finances are always the huge elephant in the room you know what would I do? Put more money onto my loans to open a practice? Will the yeah. bank just laugh at me um, and shut the door on my face? You know, is it more important to pay off my, my student loans first? I think a lot of people aspire to be a practice owner, but all those kinds of questions right out of school, that's. I have no idea how to start or run a business.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and,
1: and that's what we don't learn that either. Right. Cool. Yeah. And that's okay. hard too. Now you got to find resources online about business, about numbers and marketing, and all this. It, it's it's overwhelming. It can take yeah. years to prep yourself for that. That that is a journey that maybe one day will come,
2: but just not right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with hours, patience. I, I want to see. I mean, I do feel like right now I'm at a state where I, I can, you know, choose my hours in a, in a sense, or I, you know, I like taking a lunch. I'll go for a walk during lunch yeah, or wow. once that's I finish nice. charting. Yeah. I I mean, I think that's important too. And wow. kind of setting boundaries. I can see a lot of patients in a day, but am I going to be totally exhausted and knocked out at the end of the day? Maybe. So I I do, I don't limit it, but you know, within reason. Mm-hmm. I could say, I don't often say no to seeing a patient though. I feel like as a new grad, that maybe is a good,
0: good. That is me girl, all the time now, girl. Six, months, like-
1: <laughs> six more months. You'll
0: say no to everyone. You're like, no, I will not be seeing that. No, I just <laughs> book them with me next week.
1: <laughs> well, I yeah. think it's like, you learn your time management and like, what yes. you, I. you know what the vibe of our podcast now is know your worth. Yeah. And and I truly do, I think, try to express that with every episode. You start to learn the worth of your time Mm -hmm. while you're in clinic. So you know, you already have a full schedule. You already know, you know, what patients are coming in, how much time you're gonna have to spend with each patient. You know, this one's coming in. I don't even know if I'll make lunch, you know, make it today because I don't even know if I'll have it. And then someone calls for an emergency because their eyes are burning. And, you know, you you kind of start to talk with your staff and your staff puts them in. And then yeah. you're, you know, you kind of know, like, this is not the day for the for the patient to come who has, you know, suspected sounds like dry eyes. I don't need to see them today during my lunch hour. No, thank you. You know, please have them come tomorrow and do some artificial tears until then. Um, yeah. you know, of course, manage that properly, tell the patient to call back if it's not getting better and right. do your questions, you know, do your um triage. But you start to know your worth, you start to know what is really an emergency, what's not like it's yeah. you get that what when you practice more. Um, yeah, and I think
2: so I'm I'm learning no. that as I as I continue. And I think also having open communication with front staff, and yeah. most of the time now someone will or the receptionist will come and speak to me first before booking someone.
0: But I have a random question for you, Alexa. So when you first graduated, when you talked about just having open communication with staff, how hard or difficult did you find that initially? Or were you kind of like, no, this isn't bad. Like I can do this. Or like, what did you do to kind of handle that or make it easier on yourself, I guess? Yeah, I think it's interesting being an associate because Mm -hmm.
2: you almost don't want to cross the line of the owner right so you don't want to come in and be like these are the things we do here right but it is your schedule and Mm -hmm. you have rights to to do certain things too so I think just honestly I always check in at the end of my day with my staff and I say you know how was today were there things you need from me because I think sometimes they don't want to interrupt you during your day yeah. so I always check in and and see if there's things I've missed or if they need if they have questions that they need answered today um before I leave and so yeah. I think just starting off that way and being really really nice to to the staff is always something yeah. I try to do you, you know always
1: have to be nice to staff they yes. hold they really <laughs> our jobs like in their hands yeah um so I also I think another great tip for that, for anyone who's struggling to manage different practices, um, because if you are a little OCD, a little type A, and you do like to have your patients, you know, pre-tested in a certain manner, triaged mm-hmm. in a certain manner, write it down. Um, you know, we have a practice in Bolton where I work with four other doctors. So there's five of us total. And, um, you know. All of us have a different preference for pretest. You know, I don't need a you know a new child pretested with auto refraction and this and this and this because you know I can just do it in the exam room. It's much faster. Whereas there's another doctor who's like, nope, no matter what the age, every single patient I want an auto refraction. I want this. I want this. I want this. So you know our pretesters have a binder or just like a little sheet that goes next to their computer. You know, with each doctor and their preference for different age groups of pretests, that's on there. It's probably a lot of hard work for them to kind of get to know that, but it's like a reference sheet. Yeah, that's so true. And then it gives the other doctors an opportunity to kind of compare with you and say, oh, like, why, you know, why do you pretest this way? Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. And then maybe they're going to be on board with things that you like to do. Um, But it's nice to lay it out and have that for the staff members so that they don't feel confused or overwhelmed, they can just refer to it, you know, if they have any questions. Yeah, that's a really good tip. So Alexa, many new grad ODs find it important to, you know, quickly pay off their student loans and make those big purchases, like get a car to go to your jobs or get a (laughs) home, start a family. And so this of course means we end up working those long hours, six to seven days a week at four to five clinics. We're just starting to, you know, overwork ourselves. And then of course, like you just mentioned before, mental health and self-care overall usually becomes, you know, last priority, um, you know, based on what we're doing throughout the day because we now have these other goals to meet. Um, So can you talk more about how your mental health was doing, you know, post-graduation with all these different, you know, practice modalities? And if you did experience a lot of mental health challenges, did that change your definition now of what a good work-life balance should be? I think that's a really important
2: subject to talk about. And we did kind of touch on burnout and and working six or seven days a week. (laughs) And I think when you're signing on to do something like that, it sounds like a good idea and it sounds like oh, I can do this. Because when you have your days off, you're like, oh, I could be working, right? Yeah. Um, but then it comes and you're like, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> it's a good idea. Yeah, even when you don't have plans. Yeah. yeah. Even when you don't have plans, you're just sitting there. You're like, no, no, no. I don't think today's a good day to work. <laughs> We're just going to sit here today.
2: Yeah. So like, <laughs> I definitely felt the pressure at, at certain points. And I think we have to think about money. You know, the money will come we're, we're all going to be at a point in our lives, our lives when we will have good amount of money, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, of course we have to work for that, but yes, praying. Um, (laughs) but there was a point when I was really focused on that. And as soon as I kind of let that go and started focusing on like learning and building my, my practice and my relationship with my patients, it all started to come together a little more. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing my patients sending their family members and like word of mouth referrals and things like that. And the pieces started to fall into place and it, it took a while. Like it wasn't, I I was so focused on that at the beginning. Um, But you know, it takes a while for people to come and see you and, and word of mouth Mm -hmm. to spread. So yeah, that's one of, one of the things I think that is challenging, but Mm -hmm. it it, it sticks eventually. And then I also think like I I did want to touch on self-care and just finding ways to to sprinkle that into your day because you don't need a full day of self-care. I mean that's great if if I can take my Sunday off and have a full spa day, that would be lovely. Um but I try to fit it in every day. So mm-hmm. um I'm a huge fan of meditation and I I do 10 minutes in the morning, like mm-hmm. almost every morning. Oh, and wow. it really changed my my life honestly. I feel like it sets me up in the right mindset for the day. And if I wake up feeling a little, feeling a little anxious, which sometimes happens, um, it just resets me. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like, I try to work out, um, even if it's like a 20 minute workout, that is how I manage my mental health and anxiety Mm -hmm. and things like that. Or like, like I said, like going for a walk during lunch, like getting outside, like sometimes I just feel like I'm like stuck in my clinic and Mm-hmm. it's so nice to get like fresh air, even if it's freezing. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, cute.
2: like, like I said, it doesn't need to be a full day. And uh, obviously a day off is like super recharging and nice, but just
1: finding those little moments throughout your day, I think is important too. I think Deepon can agree with that. Cause she started, you started Um, Like I remember one podcast episode, you were talking about like breathing exercises, you were breathing, meditating. Yeah.
0: Even, even at work, I'll kind of do that. Like if there's those overwhelming days where you might feel like overbooked or there's a complicated patient, I'll do like breathing exercises at work or even try to meditate at lunch. And it does, it really does help. But yeah, like even you know, when I first started out, even now, like still, I'm still working six days a week. I did seven and that only lasted for a month. And I was like, no, never again. But it was, it's hard. Like, it's hard to kind of get through those days. Cause you, like what you said before, you just kind of on your day off, you're kind of like, well, I could be working right now. And it like optometry too, for us, we don't get paid on our days off. If we are sick, there's no pay for us. We don't get any vacation days. So that I think for me, um, was a huge factor in how I was thinking about my finances. I was just like, Oh my God, I have to work every day. If I'm going to take a vacation in a week or, or like next month, like this only makes sense to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's this constant pressure on myself. Like, Oh my God, like, no, now I'm sick. I can only take two days off instead of like maybe another week. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's really hard. But what you said is really important. The money does come. And I think that's one thing I've learned. Like, it'll be okay. Like, even if you take a week off, if you take a couple days off, it'll be okay. The money will come. So yeah. I think that's super important what you said. And my dad actually said something recently because I went on a trip
2: for a week and he was telling my brother this, but it stuck with me too. He said, you know, work will always be there, but like- yeah. Spending time with your family or going on that vacation you really wanted to go on, that might not be so, yeah. really like taking those moments and you know, take the damn trip, like, yeah,
0: go to the concert. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do it. <laughs> that is um, true. Yeah. Work will always be there. That is yeah. actually really, really true. Like, it'll always, always be there, even if it means you have to go to a different clinic, even if it means. Like this is extreme. You have to move to a different province or something. It'll always, always be there. But those moments with your friends and family, or even by yourself, like those, you'll never get back where you know, those are the memories that are important. Right. And
2: even in school too, and looking back, I think I learned this more like second, third, fourth year a bit, but there were times when I would say no to things I really wanted to do, because I was Mm -hmm. so stressed about studying, but like, you'll get through it and you'll pass your exams and just do like, like I said, go to the event. If you really want to go. Yeah. Yeah, You'll be fine.
1: I think (laughs) something that, um, something that we did not touch upon, but now I've thought about it. I think having students don't might not know when they graduate that talking to a financial planner, Mm -hmm. when you get your first job, um, is so important. And Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that I did that. Because again, when student loans are on your mind, your thought process is, yes, I need to work seven days a week. I need to work all these jobs, especially corporate jobs, because they give yeah. you a really nice paycheck. Minimum. Right, in yeah. the beginning, and I need to pay off those loans. Like I can't eat, sleep, breathe until those loans are paid off and then I can enjoy my life, yada, yada, yada. Um, We're all gonna start off with a pretty nice, base salary, honestly, and no matter what state or province you're in, and your financial planners will know that banks will know that everyone knows that it's on Google, they'll find it. Mm -hmm. And your financial planner can help you really lay out, okay, this is your student loan, monthly payment, you know, to pay it off in x amount of years. But you also have all this amount of money left over. So, you know, look at those numbers. I think when you physically see it, it kind of calms you down and it lets you know, I do make enough to also buy healthy groceries and (laughs) take a day off or go on this one vacation. If I save up a little bit for, you know, three more months, I can go to Europe for a week. Like I can afford that. I think without a financial planner, everything that you make and everything that you spend is probably up in your head, right? Like in a cloud And so it probably just feels like, well, all my money has to go to these student loans. So I have to work and I can't do anything else. It is doable to pay off your student loans at a healthy rate, at a Mm -hmm. steady pace without overworking yourself. And if it's going to pay off in five years or 10 years or 15, you're still going to be able to enjoy your life and do other things. Plan that out with a financial planner because you'll be... You'll be thanking yourself for doing that. And then you won't take that fourth job opportunity. You'll be like, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. good. I'm good with Saturdays and Sundays off. Yeah. Said no new grad ever. Also,
2: I could not recommend, please take Sundays off. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know how if you work Sundays, but I, when I was working those few Sundays, it was rough.
0: <laughs> yep. I would be that person, like, a month ahead, someone's like, "Hey, can you cover my shift on Sunday?" Yep, yep, I'll be there. I'll be there. The day before, I'd be like in my room going, "Why? Why yeah, I do this no. to myself?" <laughs> Even if it's like eleven a.m. Like, I know.
1: Yeah. No, I
2: know. Yeah,
1: no. I think that's the new know, grad just... like rite of passage. You have to work yeah. at least on a Saturday. I work
2: every Saturday. I do, but yeah. and I, I'm okay with it for
0: now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> for now, for now. <laughs> no it's like the rite of passage right we yeah. I feel like we you can tell a lot of new yeah. grads like don't don't do this but they you have to just feel it on your own right I like know. I think it's just like you have to feel that negative burn. energy and you're like oh my god yeah. the burnout the mental health decline you're like oh this is what everyone was talking about cool I need to like bring it back a little
1: bit here and then now. they'll understand the vibe and the know and then- your worth and and <laughs> Then they'll understand. So, but, yeah, I think, Alexa, everything that you said, like we've gone through very, very similar experiences. Um, our previous hosts also went through similar experiences. Yeah. and, you know, our friends have gone through some, like everyone, every new grad is going through the same struggle. Yeah, um and the nice thing about this conversation is that there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. You can find opportunities for your income to grow exponentially um, by investing in yourself, investing in your self-care, investing your time in a practice setting that you are very, very happy with outside of pay, outside of money. Um, You will see exponential growth in those places. Mm -hmm. You will see slow, steady growth at the places that you're working at one or two days a week. You know, you're dreading going you're just kind of going through the motions, your salary is going to go through the motions too. So, um, yeah. And I think
2: that's like actually full circle because I, I am at another clinic right now and I'm slowly kind of transitioning more there. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see that and kind of put both feet into that clinic and go full force and see where it goes.
0: Yay! Yeah. Um, but Alexa, we're coming to the end here. Yay, we almost made it. <laughs> but um, so it's been, I could stay here for hours. <laughs> oh, we could actually, do. so so can Amrud and I. Just venting Who about all the sleep, things we're tired. Right? <laughs> um, but any other advice for new grads that will be likely practicing at multiple clinics for their first year out of graduation? Be a little
2: little pickier than maybe you had initially hoped you would want to be, but also. Yeah know that like maybe where you start off practicing, it's most likely not going to be where you end up practicing or spending your entire career. So like be picky, but also give places a chance. But at the same time, know when to let things go. Like I said, I knew where I was working in that corporate setting, just it wasn't the right fit. And I hate letting people down. Like I hate that. And I hate having to tell people, goodbye but (laughs) sometimes you you got to put yourself first right and it's your career and it's your time Mm -hmm. and sometimes you you do have to let people down so know your boundaries um also i i you guys had touched upon this on a a previous podcast about like writing down your goals and where you see yourself Mm -hmm. um and i i do that every year or like every six months, I try to kind of reevaluate where I'm going and is where I am aligning with my goals. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, then try to change something about that. Right. I want to be somewhere where I'm constantly challenged and constantly growing and being pushed. And if I feel like I'm constantly, you know, showing up to work and just doing the same thing over and over again and not being challenged, then I feel like I'm, I'm going to just stay there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's important too.
1: Those are all great, great tips. Um, We're so happy we had you on, Alexa. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your experiences. Um, We know for sure a lot of our listeners are gonna relate to um, everything that you've had to say today. So thanks.
2: Yeah, thank you. And if you have any other questions, people can find me. You can find me on Instagram. You can DM me. Find my DMs. (laughs) Um, I'm on TikTok too. That's kind of actually where I post majority of my things. Um, And then I guess like LinkedIn.
1: (laughs) Everyone's on TikTok. Um, Is this ban happening or what's what's everyone going to do? You know, if that goes down. I don't know,
2: but like get on TikTok. (laughs) TikTok is so fun.
0: Support it. Job That's action so on TikTok. Yeah. Emma, yeah. I don't think you're on TikTok, right? I'm I can never send not. you my funny videos and they're hilarious. You can send me. <laughs>
1: I know. I should send it to Alexa. <laughs> like Alexa here. Are my. I funny i know. Videos. I get very, um, I can hop on trends pretty often, but some, sometimes I just, I just get really aggressive and I'm like, Nope, I'm not going to fall <laughs> for this. Like I'm not going to do this popular. Thing. I was like that.
2: Yeah, and I then think, I realized that too. there's just so much opportunity on TikTok. Like I feel like that's where people get their information.
0: Yeah,
1: it's true. Oh, so the only You'll see me on TikTok when my new practice opens up. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, I yeah. have thrown the towel. Yeah. And well,
2: I, I was just it. kind of like, if people are gonna get their info there, I need to be delivering at least some good quality info, right? Stuff. right? The that's
0: right stuff. So that, that is true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much, Alexa, again for coming on the podcast. Uh, Good luck with your new practice venture. We wish you all the best. And yeah, we hope to see you on Instagram and TikTok so you can show us what you're up to next. Thank you guys so much. Thanks everyone for listening to Four Eyes, the podcast series brought to you by Young OD Connect. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram or YouTube at Four Eyes Optom for more content. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.